You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Just one verse, verse 4, Genesis chapter 33, it says, And Esau ran to meet him, or Jacob, and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Heavenly Father, I pray you would bless the preaching of your word this morning. Help us to get to the same place that Jacob and Esau came to in their life where they were willing to get over it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now take your Bible and turn back to Genesis chapter 25. In Genesis chapter 25, the story begins. It begins with the birth of Esau and Jacob. It says in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 19, and you'll have to follow along today, we're probably going to read large portions of Scripture. It's not something that I usually do, but I think we're going to take that approach here this morning as we lay out for you what happened between these two boys that caused such a bitterness and a hatred towards one another, and then how that was all broken down at the end, and they came back together and were reconciled, and they got over it. But it says here in verse 19 of Genesis chapter 25, And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Isaac begat Jacob, and, ja- and excuse me, Isaac, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, to wife. How old was he when he got married? 40 years old. It's also very interesting that his son Esau was 40 years old when he got married. The only problem with Esau was he married two unbelieving Hittite women. And the Bible says they were a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. Let me tell you something. You listen to me, young people. When you marry, you marry into the family. I remember when my mom and dad were trying to drill that into me, and I didn't believe it. I was dating a young lady from a whole different background than we were from uh, uh, religiously, and I thought that I was going to marry this young lady, and my parents kept saying to me, Dan, listen to me. When you marry, you also marry into the family. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm marrying her. I want to marry her. This has nothing to do with her family. It has everything to do with her family. I'm so thankful the Lord brought that, broke that relationship up and brought me to my wife and the family that I have married into. So appreciative of my mother-in-law and my father. I could actually say I love my mother-in-law. But you marry into the family. These two women that Esau married had a very negative effect upon him. They were unbelievers. And it was such a grief to Isaac and to Rebekah. What a shame when marriages take place and it's, it's not something that brings glory to God and happiness to the family. That's not the will of God. It is also interesting that Jacob, hang on there, according to my estimation, 
if my math is correct, and I'm going to take you through how I figured this out, was 82 years old when he married Leah. And a week later, he married Rachel. So what is the moral of the story? For my daughters, the moral of the story is you can't get married till you're 40. I mean, let's be biblical about this thing. Amen. For those who've already passed that age, I guess the moral of the story is it's never too late. Well, let's go back to Isaac and Rebekah. Look at verse 21 with me. We see in verse 21 that after their marriage, Isaac prays that the Lord would open Rebekah's womb. Her womb had been closed for 20 years. Most people don't realize that. But he married when he was 40, and uh, she had Jacob and Esau when Isaac was 60. So for 20 years, the Lord had closed her womb. So Isaac prays and the Lord opens her womb and be careful what you pray for. Because she finds out she's pregnant with twins. <clears throat> and as these children begin to grow in her womb, they are constantly struggling and fighting with each other. As you know, my wife has had 10 children, and when they get to that point, you can see the child turning, you can see the hand, you can see the foot, and you can feel them turning back and forth within the womb. It's, it's a very precious thing. Well, this wasn't precious. <laughs> These two kids were at it, just fighting constantly. Verse 22 says, She was so concerned about this continual fighting that she went to the Lord and asked the Lord, What is going on? They just will not stop fighting in my womb. And verse 23, the Lord tells her why. Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. Now watch this. And the elder shall serve the what? Younger. That's not the way it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, according to God's law, that the the elder would be served by the younger, not the other way around. But things are different in this case. Now we come to verse 24 through verse 34. And follow along as I read. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name, what? Esau, the red hairy one. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, heel grabber, the deceiver. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them, and the boys grew. And Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat his venison, but Rachel loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. 
And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint, therefore his name was called Edom. Now, remember, he became, from Esau came the Edomites. Now, the Edomites became enemies of Israel. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. Really? Really? I'm at the point to die. I want to tell you this, if I'm at the point to die, I'm not going to wait for someone to make me some red pottage. I'm going to go to the refrigerator and make myself some food. Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now what did a birthright entail? According to Deuteronomy chapter 21, a birthright was given to the firstborn son. That firstborn son inherited a double what? A double inheritance. A double blessing. So he received double of anything that was given to any of the other children. Twice as much went to him. Not only did he receive a double inheritance, one of the reasons why he received a double inheritance because he was responsible to take care of mother in the death of the father. And taking care of mom can be expensive. So he had this double inheritance given to him, but besides that, he became the patriarch of the family. He became the one spiritually responsible to lead that family. Now, Esau certainly did not qualify for this because the Bible says he was a profane man. He had married outside of the will of God. He had, we say, unsaved wives. He was profane. He despised his birthright. He was a carnal man. He was a man of the flesh, driven by the flesh and the decisions of the flesh. So he certainly was not qualified to be the head of this family. But then we have Jacob. His name means deceiver or supplanter. Heel grabber. Grabbing his brother's heel as he was coming out of the womb. The word supplanter means to trip up, to overthrow, to take away from. So he was going to take away from Esau what was rightfully Esau's. Now, I want to stop before we go any further to tell you this. God had this thing all planned according to his will. God was going to bring this whole thing about without all this division and anger and bitterness that arose in the family over this birthright. Now, as we come to Genesis chapter 27, go there with me. Years have passed, and there is no love loss here between these two brothers. Again, bitterness had rooted itself deeply in their hearts. There was friction. There was tension. This is what characterized their relationship. And in addition to all of that, we have favoritism being shown. Isaac, the father, loved who? Esau. Why did he love Esau so much? Because Esau was the outdoors type. So Isaac must have been as well. Loved the outdoors. Esau loved to do what? 
He loved to hunt. And the Bible said he was a very good hunter. And Isaac loved to eat the venison that Esau would kill. And so Esau was definitely Isaac's favorite. Then there was Jacob. Jacob was whose favorite? He was Rebekah's favorite. Why was Jacob Rebekah's favorite? Because he was a sissy. That's why he was a favorite. No. No, my Bible doesn't say that. I, I threw that in. No, he, didn't, he did not love the out of doors. He loved to stay indoors. He loved to be in the tent. He was literally a mama's boy. He loved cooking. And there's, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. My dad was a chef in the army. Remember the stories my dad would tell of stabbing men with a fork who tried to take too much from the line. So just because you're a chef doesn't mean you're a sissy. But Esau loved the out of doors, loved by his dad. Jacob loved to be indoors. He was the favorite of his mother. And this caused real division. Listen to me, mom and dad. Don't ever show favoritism among your children. Children are so different, aren't they? Children raised in the same home, in the same environment, under the same teaching can be so completely different. Why is that? Because God wanted them to be that way. And there was nothing, there was nothing wrong with that. And just because Isaac loves to hunt and loves to drag my deer out of the woods, he loves it. He loves it when he hears me shoot. He loves it. He goes, praise the Lord, I can help Dad drag out another deer. <laughs> He's up here saying that's not true. I'm so hurt. But just because Isaac loves the same things I love doesn't mean that I've ever showed him any favoritism. I never have. And I never will. <laughs> As Isaac, their father, grew older, he began to lose his eyesight. As I was reading about this, I was thinking about my father-in-law. And dad has this problem called maculate degeneration. Where your eyesight just starts going dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. It gets harder and harder and harder and harder to see things. My father-in-law is going through this. It's, it's, it's not good. It's very sad. Very sad to see dad look and like can't figure out who's who until he hears their voice. It's very sad to see dad when we're at the table and he's trying to see his food and what it is and how to eat it. It's very sad. And so Isaac had advanced stages of this immaculate degeneration. Look at verse 1 through verse 27 of chapter 27. I'm not going to take time to read this. But in this portion right here, we see that Rebekah sees an opportunity here for Jacob to steal Esau's blessing. Now, Jacob had already, what? Gotten the birthright. Taking advantage of his brother in a time of weakness. 
So he already has the birthright, and now he seeks to steal the blessing. See, it was, a, it was a big deal when a father would bless his children. And so he wants to steal now the blessing that would normally go to Esau. Let me say this again. None of this had to happen. God already had it planned. As I stopped and I thought about all of this, I thought, you know, right from the very beginning, Isaac should have informed these young boys of God's will. When they were little, when they could process it, when they were just little children, that God had made it very clear that the, that the older would serve the younger. They could have dealt with that when they were children. But this was, this was never, ever disclosed to them. So all of this time, Esau believes that he is the one that's going to receive the blessing from his father. And so if you know your Bible at all, you know the plan that was set in motion there by Jacob's uh, mother. And so she said, here's what we're going to do. And she's got this all planned. She relays the plan to Jacob. And Jacob says, Mom, listen, if we go through with this and Dad discovers what we're up to, I'll receive a curse and not a blessing. And his mom said, listen, I'll tell you what I'll do. The curse will be upon me, not upon you. I'll, I'll take God's curse. What I'm concerned about now is getting you the blessing from your father. So they devised this plan by which they were going to get this uh, blessing when they overheard Isaac say to Esau, can you go out and can you go kill me some venison? I am at the point of death. And before I die, I want to eat some more venison. Can you go out and find some for me and bring it to me and after you bring it to me and you fix it for me and I eat my last meal, I will then give you my blessing. I want to say this. He lived some 20 years after this. So he wasn't on his death door. He thought he was, but he wasn't. So Esau said, okay, I'll go out. He goes out hunting for venison. So as Rebekah hears that Esau is gone. She says to Jacob, here's what we're going to do. Let's go kill a couple kid goats and, and we'll make your father, father's favorite meal and we'll disguise it as being venison. And you can go in and you can present it to your father and tell your father that, that here's the meal, that he can eat it and he can bless you. And Jacob said, now, now, now wait a minute, mom, you don't understand. Esau is a hairy man. She said, that's okay, we'll take the skins of these kid goats that we're going to prepare for your father and we'll put some on your hands and some on your neck and when your father feels you to see if you really are Esau he'll feel that hairiness he'll think you're Esau and then she says and, and here's what else we'll do we'll get some of Esau's clothes and we'll put some of Esau's clothes on you because you know how Esau smells <laughs> and one of the ways that Isaac knew who was who is he would smell them I guess when your eyesight goes, your smell improves. So they get this plan all set in motion. They kill the goats. They prepare the meal. They pretend that it's venison. Jacob takes it in, presents it to his father. He said, who are you? And he says, I am Esau. But his voice sounded like Jacob's. So you can only disguise your voice so much. He said, are you really Esau? And he says, yes. I am Esau. He said, approach me, son. 
And he approaches him and he feels him. And he's, son, come here, I want to smell you. Isn't that what the Bible says? And he approaches him and he smells him. Oh, yeah, that's Esau, right? You know, there are some people like that. You know what I'm talking about there. Yeah, you're Esau. I don't understand it because you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau and you smell like Esau. You must be Esau. He eats this meal. It tastes like venison. He's happy. He says, come here, my son. And he pronounces this amazing blessing upon Jacob. Verse 28 of chapter 27. Here's the blessing. Therefore God gave thee, give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's son bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee. By the way, that still applies to the nation of Israel. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. So that was now the blessing that Isaac gave to Jacob. So now Jacob has the birthright, and now he has the, now he has the blessing. The story goes, are you still with me? I wish I was a better storyteller. After Isaac had eaten the meal and had blessed Jacob. Almost immediately after Jacob leaves, guess who shows up? Esau shows up. Oh, by the way, i got to tell you this. Underlined in my Bible. Go back to verse 20. Isaac, Isaac said to Jacob, he said, How in the world did you get that venison so quickly? And this is what he said. And my, my daughter, Alyssa, was sitting with me today, this morning, as I was reading this and going over the message. He said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. What a liar. God didn't bring that to him. That wasn't venison. And Alyssa said to me what I was thinking. How many Christians will say something like that to you? Oh, but God was in that. God wasn't in that. That was a lie. That was out of the will of God. So anyway, back to, back to this. Forgot where we're at. Where are we at? What? Esau. Okay, Esau comes in. I said, when that starts happening to me, I'm going to quit the ministry. I lied. So Esau comes in almost immediately after Jacob leaves and, hi, Dad. And Dad says, who are you? He said, I am Esau. And now Isaac is terrified. He realizes he has been deceived by his son Jacob and that he's given away the blessing. Esau begs him, do you not have just one more blessing that you could give me? He said, no, I've given the blessing to your brother. He said, that's why his name's Jacob. He is such a supplanter. He's a deceiver. He, he, he stole my, my birthright from me, which really he didn't do. 
And now he has stolen my blessing. He did do that. And look with me at verse 41. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. They thought that Isaac was going to die any moment. He said, Once my father dies, I will slay my brother Jacob. But again, Isaac lived at least 20 more years. Look at verse 42 through verse 45. Rebekah hears, probably one of the servants overheard what Esau had said, and she goes and she tells Jacob, Jacob, you need to leave, you need to get out of here. Your brother has plotted to kill you. You need to go stay with your uncle Laban. And just go stay with him for a few days till your brother cools down. And then you can come back home. Look at verse 46 with me. Before Jacob leaves home, Rebekah warns him not to marry any of the daughters of Heth. Now the daughters of Heth were the Hittites. And notice what she called them here. She called them daughters of the land. Jacob, I know you're going to go stay with Laban, but listen, once you're out of this home, do not marry out of the will of God. Do not marry the daughters of the land. Because she saw the influence that Esau's pagan wives had upon him and how they had turned his heart away from the Lord. And that's the last thing she wanted for her son. Listen, do not marry out of the will of God. So she expresses then her concern to Isaac. These, uh, these Hittite women, by the way, originated from Noah's great-grandson, Heth. They were pagan, they were wicked, they were idol worshipers, and they're mentioned over and over again throughout the Old Testament as the enemies of the children of Israel, the people of God. Don't marry Hittite women. Now look at me at chapter 28, verse 1 and verse 5. Here we see that Isaac understands the concern that Rebekah had that his son not uh, marry outside of the will of God. And so he warns Jacob not to marry the daughters of Canaan. This would also include these Hittite women because all the ites had inherited Canaan land. Now who did Canaan land belong to? God's people. But who were there? The Jebusites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pervizites, and all the otherites. They were all there in the land. He said, I don't want you to marry. Don't marry out of the will of God. Now, here's what we've got to stop and look at. You know how old Jacob was when he left home? Anybody know? He's 75 years old. 75 years old, and mom and dad are telling him who he should not marry. You know, that kind of took me back. Because, you know, we think, you know, as soon as a young person turns 18, they're on their own. Well, where do you find that in the Bible? You know what we find in the Bible? No matter what age they were, we find children honoring and respecting and listening to their mother and father. 
And so Jacob, he shows respect and he listens and he obeys his mother and father and he does not marry outside the will of God. Now there's this estrangement between Jacob and Esau. It's really hard for me to put a timeline together. There's a lot of uh, ideas, how much time has transpired. There's even disagreement here. But let me tell you the best that I could tell and if my math is correct. Jacob is 75 years old when he leaves home because of the threat of his brother Esau to kill him. He goes and he stays with Uncle Laban and he falls in love with who? Rachel. And he works for her for how long? Seven years. So 75 plus 7 is 82. I'm glad you agree with me there. That means he was 82 years old when he married. Now, remember, Laban deceived him, and instead of giving him Rachel, he gives him Leah. Huh? You reap what you sow. Boy, he reaped big time there. A week later, then, he marries Rachel and works for her another seven years. And then he works another six years for cattle. Now, if I add that all up, he is 89, 90, 91 when Rachel finally gives birth to Joseph. Leah had already had six children before Rachel gave birth to Joseph. Reuben was Leah's firstborn son, and he was conceived at least seven years before the birth of Joseph. So as you add all those numbers up, he is 89, 90, and 91. Worked for, Jacob, or worked for Laban for 20 years, served 14 years for his daughters, six years for the cattle. While he was doing this, God blessed him, and he increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and men servants and camels and asses. And then God comes to him after these 20 years of working for Laban, comes to him and brings him a dream. And the dream was, listen, it's time to leave Laban's home and to go back home to the land of Canaan. Let me tell you something. There's not many 89, 90, 91-year-old men that want to pack up everything and move. But God's telling him, no, you pack up everything. Now, God had blessed... He, he has, a, he has 11 boys and one daughter. That's a big family. Pack all of them up and all your men's servants and all your maid servants. And he had two concubines and he has all these cattle. Pack it all up and head home. I couldn't imagine if God called us to move right now. Years and years ago, I preached a message on too much stuff. Can I tell you something? You should have seen the garage yesterday. Too much stuff. You ever heard someone say, you know, you build a garage, you're going to fill it up with stuff. Build another one, you'll just fill it up with more stuff. Can you imagine how much stuff had been accumulated over these years of working for Laban and God had blessed him and now God's asking, pack it all up and move. But as you take time, are you still with me here today? I'm trying to wind this up. It's so hard. This, this was a big deal. This was a big deal when God told him to pack up everything and move. But as you read the account of these 20 years of working for Laban, you know what I see? 
I see Jacob's faith is growing. His love for the Lord is growing. His obedience to God is growing. His relationship with God is growing. It's becoming deeper and deeper and more meaningful. And now, here we, here we are to the point of the message. He comes to the place where he realizes, I have to get things right with Esau, my brother. If things are going to be right between God and me, if I'm going to continually to be blessed by the Lord up to this time, God, you have been merciful to me. You have been gracious to me. But now God has put his finger on a major sin in Jacob's life that Jacob had to deal with. And that is you have to get right with your brother. You have to clear your conscience. Wow. And as I read this whole discourse... Not only is God working in Jacob's life, God is also working in Esau's life. It's really an amazing thing. I'm reminded of the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift at the altar, go thy way, be first reconciled to thy brother, and then come offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, while thou art in the way with them, lest... At any time, the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. The worst prison to be in is a prison of a bitter spirit. We have two boys that are deeply bitter toward one another. But now God is going to deal with them. What are they going to do with this prison of bitterness that they've now found themselves in? Are they going to get over it? Or are they going to hang on to it? Go over to chapter 32. Chapter 32, Jacob realizes that he needs to get over it. And again, I don't have time to read, but it says here in, in verse 3 of chapter 32, And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, under the land of Shur, the country of Edom. So he says, listen Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to let my brother know that I want to make things right with him. And so his servants go. And as they go, they take gifts with them. Drop down with me, if you would, to verse 13, 14, and 15. So he sends presents for Esau, his brother, and in verse 14, listen to all the things he sent. 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milch cattle or milk camels with their colts, 40 kine, 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, and 10 folds. He said, now you, you bring those with you. And he said, here's how I want you to do it. I want you to divide all these flocks. I want you to divide them one, two, and three. And as you approach Esau, bring the first flock. Calls them a drove. Bring the first flock. After Esau sees the first flock, bring him the second flock. After he sees the second flock, bring him the third flock. And so he's presenting all of these gifts. And then he says this. Tell him that these gifts come from his servant, Jacob. 
Wow, how his attitude has now changed. From my servant Jacob. So they bring these gifts. As these gifts are on their way, look up at verse 9. Jacob is praying. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto the country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I'm not worthy of the least of all of these, what? Mercies, what the girls sang about today. And of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. Now, as these servants are taking all of these gifts, all these flocks, by the way, money was represented by herds of animals. So as he's taking Esau, all of these animals, these droves of animals, Esau is coming to him. Remember, God is working in Jacob's heart, but God is also working in Esau's heart. Does Jacob know that God is working in Esau's heart? He has no idea. But Esau's now coming to him with, guess how many men? 400. What does Jacob think is going to happen? He is coming to get me. I mean, why else would my brother be coming to meet me with 400 men? And so can you see why he went to the Lord and started praying about this thing? And then he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my family. I'm going to divide my family, my manservants, my maidservants, my, my cattle, my wives, my concubines. I'm going to take them. We'll, we'll do it. This will be one group. They'll go over here. This will be another group. You'll be another group. You'll go over here. Because when Esau attacks, depending upon which, he, which group he decides to attack, at least one of us can get away. So he's making plans on how he's going to survive Esau's attack. Because what did Esau say he was going to do? He said, I'm going to kill my brother. I'm going to kill my brother. So he divides them into these groups. Verse 24. Now that he has divided his family into these two groups, Jacob wrestles with God. How many remember the story? He gets them across the brook, brook to the place of safety. He goes out and the angel of the Lord meets him and he wrestles all night long with the angel of the Lord. I, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. And so he wrestles with the angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord pops him in his thigh. And the rest of his life he gimped. The Bible said he, pre listen, he prevailed against the angel of the Lord and he called that place Peniel. And the name of that place, Peniel, means the face of God. I have seen the face of God and I've lived to talk about it. You know who I believe he was wrestling with there? I believe he was wrestling with Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord. And so now he comes back into camp. He's all bleeding. He's... He's dirty. He's been wrestling with the Lord all night. Everyone asked him, what has happened to you? He said, I just got blessed. <laughs> Come on. We're going to go meet Esau. Wait a minute. He has now gotten the blessing. Is he fearful anymore? He's not fearful anymore. 
He's not trying to divide his family up and protect them anymore. Actually, he now brings his family with him. And he goes right up, and here comes Esau with 400 men. And he has, first of all, he has his um, concubines and their children. He has Leah and her children. He has Rachel and her children. And then he's behind them. Brave man, right? <laughs> and so they're approaching. They see, they see Esau coming with his 400 men. And Jacob steps it up. And he walks right past the concubines. He walks past Leah. He walks past Rachel. He walks right up and he comes to his brother. And he bows before his brother seven times. And calls himself his brother's servant. Calls his brother his Lord. They embrace. Get up here, Joe. Haven't had a good hug from Joe. I mean, they embrace. Could you imagine the embracing? And they are weeping. Their tears are just flowing on each other. And Esau says, Jacob, what is all this droves of cattle? And Jacob said, I sent that to you so I would find grace in your sight. He said, oh, brother, you found it. I don't want these. Jacob said, no, God has blessed me with all of this stuff. I want you to have it. Wait a minute. How many years ago, Jacob wanted it, right? And now he wants to give it back. Here, you take it. And Esau says, I don't want it. He said, take it. I don't want it. I'm telling you, Take it. God has blessed me. Esau said, I don't need it. Jacob said, would you just take it anyway? And Esau said, okay, I'll take it. But listen, I got all these folks. Why don't you take some of them? And Jacob said, no, I don't want them. Take them. I don't want them. Take them. Listen, it's such an awesome story because now they're arguing over who's going to give who the blessing. And Esau said, who are, all who are all these people? And Jacob said, I want to introduce you. These are my children. This is my wife, Leah. This is my wife, Rachel. And the Bible says, they journeyed together. <laughs> Amen? They journeyed together. Beware, lest a root of bitterness spring up in you and trouble you and thereby defile many others. Listen to me, church. Don't you think it's time to get over it? Amen? Forgive as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, and let's get back to journeying together. Then they came to the point where the Bible said, Esau said, I need to go back home. That would have, there's no indication they ever saw each other again. Isaac doesn't die till chapter 35. God allowed Isaac to live long enough to see his boys reconciled and brought back together again. You know what? 
I don't believe Isaac ever stopped praying, God, bring my boys back. Bring my boys back. 20 years plus of praying that God would bring them back. And God brought them back. Listen, again, I wish I was a better storyteller. I wish I had more time. I could have just read the scripture to you. But we'll take it for whatever God has spoken into our hearts today about. I'm going to tell you this story is a powerful story. And what God did for those two boys, God wants to do for you. It's hard for me to believe that we're all here and our conscience is clear. That there's no bitter feelings that we have towards anyone. Maybe there's some bitterness right there in your very own family. Maybe it's between a brother and brother or sister and sister. Mom and dad. Aunts and I don't know. But I know, what, I know this. Bitterness will destroy you. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy your family. It'll take away the joy and happiness that God would want you to have. Could you imagine how happy everyone was when this whole thing was taken care of? When they finally got over it. Now, it doesn't tell us this, but you know what? I bet you they had a great big feast. Don't you think so? It doesn't say that they did, but hey, if they were Baptists, they had a great big feast after that thing. Do you need to get right with God? You can't have ought against your brother and be right with God. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.